and welcome to the Popcorn Count. Uh, uh, I'm James Rizika. Andres Lorente here. And, um, uh, you know, when we're at the Popcorn Count, we talk about various idiotic ideas that come up when we're doing the pod and we can't think of uh, how, to, how, to, how to sandwich them into the main pod. So uh, we were talking about um, uh, frenemies. You suggested, oh, we should, we, oh, we should talk about uh, uh, frenemies. And when you suggested this, I had, had to confess, you know, I kind of had an idea of what that meant. Yeah. But I don't, it's not like a really, it's not a current word in my vocabulary. So I had to look it up. I didn't really know what it meant. And um, I, oh, this is some... Um, Right. So when I was when I was uh, nine years old, I think yeah. I was um, caught sliding down a grass bank at school by my very grumpy history teacher who then gave me a uh, uh, an essay. He said, write me a four page essay um, about good behavior. And it was like the only time I'd been given like a punishment at school, like you know, mm. pretty much my whole career there. And I was absolutely mortified and I never told my parents while while they were alive that I got this four page essay to do over the summer holiday and to hand in it kind of, it, um, it mortified me for you know my whole youth. Um, you deserved it though. How dare you slide down a grass slide bank? Slide down a grass bank. Oh my goodness. Yes. It'll be straight to prison for me. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I, I had, and it hung over me for the whole summer and for the whole summer, then I had this, this, um, this kind of four sheets of full scale or two sheets that the, the teacher had given me yeah. that I had to return when we came back to school. Um, and eventually got towards the end of the summer holiday and I realized I'm going to have to just write this essay. And so I closed my bedroom door and made sure that my parents were aware and thought, how am I going to fill these four pages? And um, and so I did the thing which probably most students do when they have to write an essay they don't want to write, which is I, I wrote in really, really large writing. Yes, good trick. Try and cover as much of the page as possible. <laughs> and I started out by filling the whole of the first page by saying the Chambers Dictionary definition oh. of good be- or good behaviour or bad behaviour, <laughs> something like that, is. And then I just wrote out word for word what good. the bloody definition was. Because <laughs> I thought, oh, at least I can get one page down. down there. And now, now, I've, now I'm finding I'm doing exactly the same thing for the pod. So I looked up, <laughs> I, um, I looked up uh, what frenemy is. And, um, and the return on Google, it said, um, a person who pretends to be your friend but who is really your enemy? And I thought, well, wait a second. That's just that's every villain in every film ever, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like that, that's what a villain is. That's like, um, you know, that's Hans Gruber, isn't it? To John McClane in Die Hard, or it's um, it's Prince Hans in Frozen. It's like every single betrayal in the cinematic canon. Yeah, you know, that's what it is. So I thought, well, that's not very good. So I so I looked at another website, and it said, um, a frenemy is a person with whom you are friendly. Despite a fundamental dislike, and then I got it because that is the English definition of the word neighbour. Really, <laughs> no. the sheer idea that yeah, that there's somebody who lives in the house next door to you, and so you have to be kind of friendly yeah. and smile at them. But you know, every British person fundamentally hates their neighbours. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, so, so we're, we're going to talk about. So, so I've kind of figured out the frenemy is like it's it's like one of those like clever punning portmanteau words yes. for something that doesn't actually need its own name. Yeah. It's like it's a thing that already exists. We didn't need the word for friend. Yeah, we already yeah. have words for it. Exactly. I mean, I for me, it's um, a person who I think trouble is important. So it's a person who gets you into trouble. Um, whether it's good trouble or bad trouble. And it's just, it's, it's kind, if we can talk about the Banshees for a second, it's that someone who inspires you to be a little bit fiery and do something that you might not otherwise do. 
think that's why they can't be dull. So that was one of my my um, requirements is that it can't be like a dull friendship because then it's really not a frenemy sort of situation. A frenemy is sort of pushing you to do something you might not do otherwise. Or is, is, is not the idea that the frenemy is the person who seduces you into doing something? Yeah, that, yeah. Um, so they kind of, you know, they draw you in and then shut the trap. Yeah. Um, this whole thing, that, um, it reminded me, I used to do stand-up about 20 years ago and there was a very mm. cod, good uh, comic on the on the circuit called John Torrens. He's the brother of Pip Torrens. He's a reasonably well-known UK actor. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah, a hilarious comedian. Um, he does, he's, he teaches communication skills these days. Mm. Um, and uh, he used to do this gag, which never got a very good reception, but I used to really, really like it. And his gag was that um, he was saying, I bumped into my neighbour the other day and there was just something different about him. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, but there was just something different about his appearance. And then I realised... He looked different because I wasn't looking at him down the sights of my sniper rifle. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the Englishman's re- um, relationship with his neighbour. <laughs> kind of, that's that's a frenemy. That's what it is. Yeah. Um. So so these kind of so it's like an ambiguous, ambivalent friendship. Yeah, I think it could be. Yeah, yeah. Or one that doesn't necessarily... Exactly. One of those friendships where good comes with bad. I would say it's one that doesn't necessarily always go well. Okay. I think that's, that's important, I think. I, I jotted down on my, um, in my little pad here kind of what, what kind of frenemy type relationships I could think of. And I'm afraid yeah. the first one I went to is such a clear uh, populist um, uh, choice. Uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, Captain Marvel, no, yeah. no, Captain America. Oh, my God, look at that. <gasps> Call Ooh. myself a fan. Ooh. Captain America yeah. um, and Tony Stark, who is Iron Man, have oh. this kind of, this slightly sort of chin-to-chin um, friendship. And there is a, a lovely scene in um, The Avengers. So written by uh, Josh uh, Whedon. Oh, yeah. Whose name is a bit of a dirty word now, mm, but I think, yeah. you know, it, uh, has been and still is a skillful yeah. um, screenwriter. Um, there's a scene where Captain America and Tony Stark are arguing. Um, and, uh, you know, Captain America, well, he's a superhero and he has super strength, whereas Tony Stark is just a guy, but he puts on this metal suit to give himself super strength. Yeah. And, you know, they argue and the argument gets more and more serious. And Captain America keeps telling Tony Stark, go and put on the suit you know, so we can have a proper fight. It's the only way to sort this out. Put on the suit, he tells him, put on the suit. And then at that moment in the film, the bad guys turn up and there's some kind of big explosion and things start to go wrong. And Captain America turns to Tony Stark and puts his arm around him and tells him, put on the suit. And it's such a lovely bit of skillful writing that they can take you know, exactly the same words and make it mean exactly the opposite yeah. thing within the confines of this little scene. It's a wonderful character moment, very skillfully written. It's a lovely bit of, uh, of frenemy action. Nice. Hard, hard to top that. I mean, how do you top uh, like superhero stuff or superhero and wannabe superhero st- stuff, I guess? Um, I, I'm going to go even more pop culture than you. I'm just going to say, oh, um, oh good. uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with, Ooh, uh, right. with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And it's, it's, it's sad to say it's almost the same thing in The Sting, another film by George Roy Hill with the same two actors, but <laughs> just this youth, uh, versus experience. I think they've just got a lot of reasons to either envy each other or hate each other. And, in, and, and certainly in Butch Cassidy, um, there's a woman involved too that they kind of fight over to a certain extent, or could the woman could go with either one? It's more appropriate that she go with, with uh, the Butch Cassidy uh, character. But uh, I'm sorry, that's a Sundance. But um, 
uh, she's kind of really more involved with the uh, yeah, she's she's Butch's girl kind of thing that day and age. Um, so I, I think those two actors too, they've done it again and again to a certain extent. So I, I like that, the fact that they've paired up in a couple of different films and sort of played the same things, if not even themselves in both of the films. And they've, they've, they're definitely friends, but um, they definitely have their own motivations and their own uh, intentions. And I think for me that works. That's very populist, but it does not uh, by any means match any kind of Marvel universe stuff. So... <laughs> Are we playing for points again, or are we? Is this a friendly? Well, that's a good question. This is should it be a friendly, friendly or, or is it a frenemy? A frenemy <laughs> friendly. Um, um, <coughs> I presume that is the reason why the sting was made, wasn't it? Because because yeah. of, um, Butch Cassidy went well. Butch and Sundance. Yeah, I would think let's so. Let's just kind of get those guys back together yeah. again. Yeah, let's do another script with them having that same which relationship. Is, which is better than again. a sequel, you know? I mean, you were, you're talking just a little while yeah. ago, maybe a sequel for the Banshees. The opening is left, uh, the ending is still left to open. Is it because <laughs> there's going to be a sequel to a film that doesn't need a sequel? Um, you could have, you really, the implication is that you've killed them off in the, in the first film, so I don't think you could do a, a, a straight sequel. But yeah, The Sting feels very much like a sequel. For sure. I mean, this, this love-hate thing, like this must be something you encounter as a teacher, right? Because, you know, there will be you know, kids, some kids really hate their teachers. Some kids love their teachers. Yeah. There are some teachers who are you know, hard teachers that kids come to love or easy to like teachers that kids come to resent. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, part of that power relationship lends itself to this kind of frenemy type mm-hmm. um, uh, interplay. The, um, the thing I'm thinking of is Whiplash. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Damien Chazelle film. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Because, yeah, Miles Teller in that film, you know, he um, kind of worships uh, J.K. Simmons' character, even though J.K. Simmons is an utter monster. Yeah. And yet somehow in their kind of their fighting and their rowing, they sort of become equals. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're kind of both friends and mortal enemies. Yeah. And they're absolutely terrible for each other. And yet also they bring out the very best of each other's talent. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that's a very interesting complex relationship i'm waiting until my children are old enough for me to show them whiplash yeah just so that i can tell them look kids this is what a toxic relationship yeah. looks like so, <laughs> yeah if you were exactly if you were got taught somebody uh taught by somebody like this change class that's yeah. my advice oh god I, yes <laughs> um it's a, it's a traumatic film and i was a drummer of sorts in my day and uh just the drumming stuff was, was traumatic for me and my heart was racing a lot through that film so and that, that, I think that also has the mentor-mentee angle as well, which uh, confuses it because the natural power structure there seems really solid early on. And, you know, I think um, that's uh, – oh, God. I forgot the name of the director, Damien uh, – Chazelle, isn't Chazelle, it? Chazelle, Damien Chazelle. Um, he does a great job of reversing that whole power structure at times and certainly by the end. So it's um, – it's, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Good choice. For, uh, talking about your drumming career, for anybody who doesn't know – um, who is the drummer on the theme song for the Two Real Cinema Club? Oh, that's me. Yep, it's you. <laughs> I confess. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Oh, man. And that is some great drumming. That's what makes the tune. Oh, good. Well, I, it's one of those cases where I think the podcast is so good that it makes the music sound better. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what I meant. Yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go for a threesome. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's... <laughs> wait, wait a second. Well, at least wait until the podcast is finished. What, I, I'm pretty professional. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual. It's a, uh, yeah, a podcast threesome. Um, <laughs> uh, Stranger Than Paradise, Jim Jarmusch, John Lurie, oh. Tom Waits, and Roberto Benini. I think it's just a wonderful combination of <laughs> weird characters in a weird film 
But uh, there's this wonderful scene in particular where they're all in prison. They're sharing a cell at one point. And Roberto Benini's trying to, he's asking about the word uh, um, escape. And they're teaching, he's asking in Italian, how do you say this? How do you say this in English? And it's escape. And then all of a sudden it sort of just occurs to them, they're going to try and escape from prison, which is, it's a great idea and a really bad idea. And for me, for me, that's what makes it a wonderful sort of frenemies moment is that they, they end up just getting into more trouble. Um, and they're all ludicrous characters and ludicrous actors. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch. So I'm probably cheating a little bit by having the threesome there. But um, I love that combination. I remember that film really, uh, really just striking me as being different and hilarious. And I loved it at the time. So I'm going gonna... to ask you a question now, which could backfire really, really badly. Because uh, uh, uh. Um, uh, it's going to demonstrate my ignorance now. Yeah. Is it possible that the film you're talking about is called Down by Law? Oh. Did, oh, did I say Stranger Than Paradise? Yeah. No, uh, Down by Law, definitely. Yeah, Stranger oh, Than Paradise. Oh, thank God for that. Right. <laughs> Oof, thank so you. I was about to say, well, wow, oh. Tom Waits and uh, Roberto Benigni. Well, God, they got together for Down by Law yes. as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had scribbled down here in my notes Stranger Than Paradise also, which has definitely got a... Uh, I was trying to weigh out the two Jim Jarmusch films, and I think I had Stranger Than Paradise in my back pocket because that's uh, a two-hander, so, but I wanted to go for the threesome. So, um, uh, yes, thank you for correcting me. That's Down by Law, which is probably, what, 1980s? It's after Stranger Than Paradise. I'm going to say like 1986 or 87. Definitely yeah, 87, 88, I would guess. And it's before, yeah. I didn't really know Badini at the time. It's a couple of years before he made Life is Beautiful. God, maybe, yeah. even, maybe even 10 or 12 years before that, yeah. Um, so... Check it out. It's definitely hilarious. You know, it's Tom Waits kind of being Tom Waits. John Lurie's just kind of a straight man. And then Benini's just all over the place. And uh, it's wonderful. They get into good trouble. So that's one of my definitions. I'm yeah. going to be yeah. beat you off through some of the ones. <laughs> oh. Uh, the only film I can think of where uh, there is a frenemy relationship. Yeah. Um, and it's all between the same character. Yes. Um, I know what you're going to say. This is a good one. Good choice. David Finch's uh, Fight Club from 1999, wasn't it? I think Fight Club was. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and oh, apologies, spoilers. Where's that bell gone? Because um, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton are in the film. But you know what? It turns out we discover in the third act that they're the same guy. Same dude. Um, <sighs> but yeah, Brad Pitt is like Edward Norton's perfect frenemy, isn't he? Because, yeah. um, Yes, he's kind of everything that Edward Norton admires and wants to be, yeah. but then takes advantage of that to push Edward Norton to be something that he's you know totally not comfortable yeah. with. Uh-huh. Um, great twist in that movie. Yeah. Uh, great, good chemistry between the leads. Um, awful lot to enjoy. Uh, we were talking about toxic masculinity last week when we talked about the field. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is kind of like you know, the origin of toxic masculinity getting a name in theatre, in, in cinema. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. With fight clubs, absolutely what it's about. And, you know, this notion of, you know, men punching each other in the face for fun um, is, you know, I can't imagine a more uh, visceral <laughs> uh, symbolism for a frenemy than that. Yeah, good choice. Oof. And I thought the threesome was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Never is, I guess. I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> a relationship <laughs> one oneself. <laughs> Self love. Um, I have one more. Now that we're talking about oh yes, uh, certain um, um, arrangements of numbers of people, um, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is a uh, Robert Altman ah. film with Warren, uh, yeah, Warren Beatty and uh, Julie Christie. Right. I like that the great dynamic. Um, 
she sort of uh, comes to this um, this mining town that he's sort of developing in the American West, and she comes as a uh, an English madam, um, and they sort of go into business together. But they also have this relationship together, uh, and it's built, you know, on profit, profit sharing, and, and developing this business as well as this relationship. But at the same time, um, he basically ends up sort of dying for her, and uh, uh, it's it's got the frenemy things with a, definitely a romantic twist as well. So their their relationship is so complicated. Um, and it works on all these different motivations and different levels. That I love that film. It's a great Robert Altman film. So I'm gonna say McCabe and Mrs. Miller. So now we've got uh, some sort of uh, uh, we've got threesomes. We've got uh, solo shows. We've got two guys. We've got a, a man and a woman. I mean, we've got a pretty good representation of frenemy situations here. I think I tell you what. There's there's one important frenemy relationship which we haven't mentioned. This is this is shameless self promotion. Go now, go go go. Pub Guide. <sighs> So this is a script that you and I wrote about 12, no, 10 years ago, I yeah. think, something like that, um, which was optioned at least once, I think. Was it optioned twice or once? Once officially, I guess, yes. Right, okay, fine, yeah. Um, uh, which I still occasionally go back to. I think it's a hilarious comedy about, um, and I can say that because it's your original idea, um, <laughs> about two guys as an, uh, an American um, like microbrewer. Yes. And a British um, sort of buyer for a pub chain who is also an alcoholic. Yeah. Who uh, go on a like a tour of the UK, ostensibly maybe to write a pub guide, but also maybe just to get away from their kind of their their demons. Yes. Of various kinds. And um, Simon, the 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 alcoholic, is you know absolutely a frenemy to Drew. Yeah. <laughs> because again, he's kind of he seems kind of charming and uh, and. Um, friendly but also kind of drives drew absolutely to the precipice and gets him into terrible trouble as yeah, well yeah now, those guys are proper frenemies and they end up good friends by the end of the movie don't they yes but um but yeah but there is some pretty hairy um you know yeah they they, they split up like uh in the third act don't they and can't quite bring it together so it's yeah i think that that's actually a pretty good frenemy relationship there it's very oh, good what yeah, a, why hasn't somebody made it yet what a pitch I think that pitch right there is probably going to sell it. One of our listeners is going to run with that. Uh, yeah, but I think you're right. They're, they end up better friends by the end, and the the friendship is tested along the way. It's they, they get into trouble a lot. It's usually Simon getting Drew into trouble, but it happens again and again. And uh, and just two different characters, too. You know, obviously different coming from different countries and different backgrounds, and uh, you just throw them together. And, it's, and sometimes, you know, characters just start to do things um, by the the very virtue of their their backstories, and I think the, I think we sort of nailed that in that script where you put the right people together, and they're kind of on, just on, obviously and naturally going to become uh, frenemies, and it works. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that is the essence of all screenwriting, isn't it? It's putting the right people together. Yeah, it's all about um, or putting the that, wrong that... people together too. That's the other way of looking <laughs> at it. Right? So, I think what's that truism about screenwriting where it's it's all about story and character? But story is really just a function of character. Mm. So really, it's just about character. Yeah. And that's yeah, it's absolutely what it is, isn't it? It's just if you get the characters right, all the other stuff will follow. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you just put the characters in you know, whatever situation you want yeah. them to be in. And the story will, will evolve out of that. It's about yeah. the character and not the events. I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what makes it so hard to still struggle with that all the time. You've got to know the characters really well and they've got to be full enough where they're going to they're going to take you as a writer to places where. It just feels natural to go. And it, increasingly, as I see films where um, that's not really done very well, um, I'm amazed at how, um, how, wrong, how wrong the characters are and some of their actions are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, we've seen quite a few of those recently. <laughs> yes. Uh, right. Okay. Well, if, if only there were some goddamn producers hanging out at the popcorn counter, this would be a very different podcast. I think our lives are going to be very different here soon. This podcast may have to become a thing of the past because we're going to be raking in money. We're going to be rolling around in it. Our mattresses <laughs> are going to be filled with cash. Thank you, Jimmy, for pitching it. Yeah, any day now. Remember that pub guide. Pub guide. <laughs>